Welcome to Perennial Meditations, a podcast by the Perennial Leader Project. Here we bring you short reflections inspired by ancient philosophy and spiritual traditions. Each episode is based on timeless principles and practices to help you live your highest good. To learn more, visit perennialleader.com. Welcome back to another episode. Today I'm sharing a short conversation with my friend Brandon Tumblin, the host of the Strong Stoic Podcast. He's someone really knowledgeable about Stoicism and many other things, but specifically how to integrate Stoic wisdom into daily life. Today we reflect on the opening passage of the Enchiridion by Epictetus, which states, Some things are in our control and others are not. Things in our control are opinion, pursuit, desire, aversion, and in a word, our own actions. Things not in our control are body, property, reputation, command, and in a word, whatever are not our own actions. Brandon and I reflect on this passage and discuss how one actually puts it into practice. We talk about the obstacles and challenges of focusing on what is up to us and much more. If you're not already a subscriber to The Strong Stoic, I highly encourage you to do so. I've learned a lot from many of Brandon's episodes. He does these 20-minute solo deep dives into very practical topics for daily life. One example from a recent episode is on generosity. I'll link it in the show notes. I highly encourage you to give it a listen. Without any further delay, please welcome the wise and gracious Brandon Tumblin. But maybe that's a good transition, though, into a little bit about you know what's in our control. The listeners will have heard a bit from Epictetus, the dichotomy of control. And I want to say, I think one of the first episodes I heard of your podcast was on the dichotomy of control. Would you mind sharing a little bit about how you how you think about what's what's up to you and what's not? Yeah, sure. I mean, Epictetus was sort of the stoic that made this a thing, right? If you trace back the dichotomy of control, historically speaking, he was the one who first spoke on it. It's actually Discourses 1.1. But it's it's a it's a concept that most people are somewhat familiar with. It's there's things in your control and there's things not within your control. Of course, you have to be aimed towards virtue, towards becoming a, a good person. But this discernment is very helpful because as you go through life, you'll notice that there's just a tremendous amount of things that are not within your control. I mean, you can you can imagine other people's actions, the weather, your your own death, even your own body is is not entirely within your control because some people are born with disease. Some people are born with cancer, and, and that is certainly something that's not within your control. What the Stoics maintain as within your control are your thoughts and your actions, basically how you react to what life throws at you. It's not as clear-cut as most people think it is when you first hear that. The Stoics don't mean that when they say your thoughts are within your control. They don't mean that every single thought, as the way we think about it, is in your control. They mean 
the thoughts that you choose to lash on to latch on to are within your control. And so that's what they would say. It's a difference between an impression, which an impression is you get an initial reaction from something that's not within your control. You might get just a weird thought or even an evil thought, and that's not within your control. But how you choose to react to that thought, either by, by well, categorizing it as evil and something you want to move away from, that is what's within your control. So it's not as clear cut as people think, but generally speaking, what, what we're talking about is actions, thoughts, perspectives, how we react to the world around us. Do you see it as a, as a foundational exercise, if you will? Is it a good starting point for, for someone? Yeah, I, I think so. I think for most people, the dichotomy of control is your entrance into stoicism because it is so helpful. Even like stoicism at the end of the day, the foundation of it is virtue. It's the development of your character. It's not a good, it's the only good. Nothing else is good in stoicism. It's, it's just the development of your character. And that is really what stoicism is. The dichotomy of control is a mechanism that you use while aiming towards good character. And so I think a lot of people come into it maybe slightly backwards, right? But it seems to be the best entrance point because it is one of the most practical mechanisms that you use in stoicism. Like it's, it's so simple. I, I hear people say this all the time when you talk to them, people who have no idea what stoicism is, they'll say something like, well, I'm not going to worry about that because that's not within my control. And that's like such, it's such a helpful, useful practical thing that you can implement immediately. Like if you're struggling with something at work right now and you know nothing about stoicism and the first thing you learn is, okay, actually there is a difference between what I can control and what I cannot control. That's immediately helpful. You can implement that today. And I think that's why it's such a great entrance point coming into stoicism. How about some of the difficult things to maybe swallow, I want to say, or to realize you mentioned initially it's like yeah your health not within your control it doesn't mean that you're not going to exercise and try to eat well all of this but it's not completely within your control when it comes to success and things like that sometimes it can be difficult to realize that like a promotion for example not completely within your control it it maybe runs counter to what you might read in a traditional self-help book of of things like that like how do you wrestle with that aspect yeah it's a great question man i i think this points to one of the inadequacies of people to implement this it points to the biggest problem with this and that's when you come and you learn something about the dichotomy of control you learn what it is most people in it will go to what's outside of my control because that seems to be the most practical and easily implementable. So again, if you're, if you have a storm coming, okay, that's outside of my control. That's implementable today. But what people miss, I think mostly when they learn about this is that using that statement, it's outside of my control comes with a huge asterisk. And what that is, is you have to maximize your agency, meaning you can only say this is not within my control once you've maximized your agency and controlled and accounted for everything that's within your control. And here's a great example that I, I'd like to say. If you meet someone on the street, their actions are not in your control at all. However, you can't go up there and be rude to the person and expect them to 
not be rude to you. So if you go up there and call them an a-hole and they're going to call you an a-hole back, you can't say, well, that person's actions is outside of my control. The problem with that is that you are not maximizing your agency. You are not doing everything that you possibly can to make that situation as, as virtuous as possible. So if you go up there with kindness and you go up there with understanding, then you can say, now this person's actions are outside of my control. But if you go up there and be unkind, you cannot use that statement. So the way I think about this is, yes, there's things without, outside of your control, but you can only really say that once you've maximized your agency on the things that you can actually control, then you get to use that excuse. <laughs> and why people naturally cling to it's outside of my control is because you can say that today. Maximizing your agency takes decades, takes a lifetime, something that you always have to be working on. And, and, but, but that is ultimately, I think, what we have to focus on and strive for. It's interesting. I, I definitely agree that it's a, a central, it's a starting point. Maybe I, I would argue that it's maybe foundational, but it is a lifetime thing. It's not, I've heard it maybe described of that that's the first lesson. It's 1.1, but that doesn't mean you have it. It doesn't mean the students of Epictetus, they heard that first lecture 1.1. I imagine it was something that, they came back to something that you're continually cultivating this particular exercise. We don't see it again because it would just be repetitive to <laughs> continue to put it in there. But how do you think about the idea of when it's like you're focused on what is within your control? Maybe if you, if you read it, it can feel like Maybe there's a whole bunch that's outside of your control and it can feel, I think initially, this is how it, it, it felt for me, that there's a sliver that is within your control. But the more you try to put it into practice, the, the more years that you're, you're, you're practicing this particular exercise, that sliver, it's really, there's a ton that is within your control. It's like, you've got more than a full plate of, as you mentioned, being kind to people, being virtuous. That's no small feat. Like that is a full buffet of difficultness. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's, it's a lifetime thing. It's, it's something that, yeah, I, I love that, Josh. So it's so true. Like when you start, it seems like Epictetus lists like three things in your control, right? Like your thoughts, your actions, and, and your perspective, like something like that. But the more you kind of get into it, it seems like it's actually the bigger piece of the pie, even though it's not. Like, I still think that there's far more outside of your control than there is within your control. But I think what happens as you dig deeper into Stoicism and philosophy in general is you start to become more focused on the things that are within your control. Because again, as Stoicism says, that's all you should really focus on. It's not that you don't care about other things. Like, you know, your mother is outside of your control. So you've you shouldn't care about your mother. Well, of course you should care about your mother, but you have to ultimately at the end of the day, accept that, that what she does is not up to you. And so it, it, it's very true because when you come into stoicism, it's like a sliver. It's like, what, what do you mean? This is all I have to focus on. But then as you dig into it and you get deeper into the concepts, you realize also through practice that that is everything. It's everything. That, and that is really what philosophy and stoicism is all about. 
now as I look at it, it connects with with love for me. If you get into the definition, if you look at some of these wise thinkers, what they've had to say about love, and then in my experience, how I might want to be loved, there's this freedom for the other person to make the choices and decisions that they want to make. It's like each person, as the the Buddha and many others have talked about, each person must walk the path. It's not your responsibility to kick people down the path of virtue or carry people and things like that. Each person has this, this agency and freedom to make these choices. It's like that is, is a bit of unconditional love as, as I think about it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that too. It's, it's, it is true that, I mean, you and I have spoken quite a bit about this idea of, of love from a philosophical standpoint. And it's like, you can always trace back these concepts to that. And, and, and it is true. I mean, when you choose to share your, your life with someone, you, you bring them on your path, you do ultimately have to accept that what they do is not up to you. And so it's not, it's not so much, it's like you're sharing, you're, you're holding hands on the journey as opposed to your one yeah. complete package on the bandwagon going off to the same place. That's not how it is. It's like you're two individual people choosing to share the journey. Mm. And, and that's, that's very, it's a very, it's just a beautiful sentiment, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think so as well. Just the idea of walking with, and this can be a reminder, like to me, the dichotomy of control just intersects its way into everything from, from desire to anger, emotions. I mean, it is just in everything, but let me come back to success a bit. I want, I want to get your thoughts. The person that wanting a promotion or is, is looking for success and, and maybe potentially, you know, for very noble reasons for acts, for the, for the common good to cultivate their own character in, in so many of these wisdom traditions, there comes up this, this idea of letting go of the outcome, if, if you will. I think in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna is, is talking to Arjuna and, and says, basically, you only have the right to the action. You don't have, have the right to the fruits. And for someone that is maybe working hard, trying to get a promotion or, or achieve some sort of, some sort of goal, it can be a difficult thing, but I think it's possible to really love that part that is within your control, that part of doing the very best you can at that particular job, goal. I mean, you could apply it to anything, but doing the absolute best you can. And, you know, whether that particular goal is, is achieved or not, you can love that process. You can love that path uh, along the way. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think what I would say is that this is why it's important once you get your feet wet with the dichotomy of control to trace it back to the foundation of stoicism, which is develop your character. And that's what it's all about. You can't detach these two principles because I've thought about this quite a bit. Like, can you actually take the dichotomy of control 
and detach it from virtue as the only good. And I, I really don't think you can. So take the example that you gave. Okay, someone is working hard to get a promotion. They don't get the promotion. Well, the dichotomy of control says, okay, I maximized my agency. I worked hard. I was disciplined. I was kind to people. I was humble so that I try to improve. That's within my control. The fact that the boss's son is working at the company and he got the promotion over me, that's outside of my control. Okay, yeah, that's the dichotomy of control. But the, the, the foundation of that, again, is that, well, I developed my work ethic. I became better. I became more disciplined. I am, I, I, I had an opportunity to, to practice my humility. My, my, I gained wisdom by learning more about who I am through the process. And so when you look at things through the lens of, again, like you said, not the outcome, but the process itself, really what you're looking at is the process that is character development, or as we would say today, something more like self-improvement. Like how, how, do, how am I getting better? And as an extension of that, I would say that, again, the Stoics say that there's no good or bad events. So you, the outcome, which is either getting the promotion or not getting the promotion, both of those have neutral value because if you get the promotion, well, that's an opportunity for what? Well, for you to, to challenge, yourself and challenge yourself in new ways, for you to grow as an individual. And, but if you didn't get it, that offers you an opportunity for humility to, to reflect a bit more. So there's no real good or bad events in the Stoic sense. It's just how are you going to use that to cultivate your character in the future? And so that's why I think that dichotomy of control, it's, 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 the great, it's the first step into Stoicism for most people. But the second step is Stoicism is all about character development, and that's what's most important. Mm. For me, one of the obstacles to actually practice, practicing this is desire. But I think about it as a, as a positive way. It really, it shines a light on your desire. And I say desire as in not a good thing, as in something that Epictetus, the Buddha, many others talk about peace is removing our desire, whether it's relationships, a roommate, a colleague, the list goes on. Practicing the dichotomy of control or just interacting in life, it can be difficult to actually identify that, oh, wow, this is a desire that I have that doesn't need to be there. Like as an example, in terms of the, the freedom and agency, like I'm thinking about from a relationship perspective, the desire to have your partner behave in a certain way or clean in a certain way or adopt a particular type of habit or lifestyle that you're interested in is a desire. It's not necessarily something that is, is needed. And when you can recognize that, then you have the opportunity to actually work with it, untangle it, wrestle with that desire, examine, you know, what might be behind it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, man. Yeah. I mean, we, we fall into trap, into the trap of, of desiring certain things all the time. And one of those for most people is something like a promotion. I think there's a bit of humility in stuff like that though, because you also have to recognize that, and this is a stoic idea as well, that well, if I didn't get the promotion, 
maybe that's how it's supposed to be right now. And that doesn't mean you're not worthy. That doesn't mean that you're not competent. That doesn't mean that you can't have that position in the future. But one of the stoic ideas of, of providence really is to look at something like that and say, well, that's just how it is. Maybe that's a good thing. And you, you don't know, like if you play this game with yourself, you really don't know. If you look back in the past, maybe you applied for a job that you really wanted and you didn't get it. You could have gotten on a plane to go start that new job and that plane could have went down. Like you, you don't know. You really don't know. It's so hard to say. Things are so, if you look at the universe and how, com excuse me, how complex it is and how, how my little decision and your little decision are the butterflies effect and how they overlap all over the place. You really don't know when you look back at the past and see how uh, something that you may have wanted or may not have wanted, but you didn't get, or maybe you did get it, you don't know. Maybe this is exactly how it's supposed to be. And if you have that perspective, whether or not it's true, things seem to work out a little bit better for you. So it's a good perspective to have. Thank you for listening. I hope you found something useful. If you're interested in learning more, Every Monday, we share a short reflection with three timeless ideas to help you start your week with wisdom. You can subscribe at perennialleader.com. Until next time, be wise and be well.